Welcome everyone to Tamrail Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamrail. I am your host, Eric A.K. Sulior, and today we are going to be continuing the series that we've been doing on the different guilds uh, throughout this history of the series. And today we are going to be talking about the Mages Guild. So yeah, definitely looking forward to talking about some mages. But before we get to that, we do have quite a bit of news to get to, and most of it stems from the recent uh, Xbox Bethesda Direct. So yeah, that happened uh, this past Wednesday. So yeah, the 25th, and it there's a lot that was announced. So um. <laughs> I watched this on Twitch, and if you listen to my last episode, I did kind of a breakdown as to what was going to be discussed, and um, the highlight of it was the announcement of the next chapter in ESO. However, um, a Apparently, people didn't realize that that wasn't the whole of the direct. Like, that was just a part of the direct. It wasn't what the entire direct was about. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, here, here's the thing. I love how excited people were to find out about what the future story, like the next story in ESO is going to be. But like I said, apparently people didn't realize that other shit was being announced in this direct. So yeah, like I said, I was I was watching on Twitch and I had to turn the comments off because it was just constant toxicity from the community like everybody was like what the hell is this i want eso eso now please yes no please ESO now please i don't want this i want eso oh my god just shut up um not trying to be negative here but like i said i had to turn the comments off because i just i couldn't it was super distracting and it just came off as um entitled snobbish whatever you know, descriptive you want to use. And like I said, I, I love how, you know, passionate these people were for ESO and what the next, they wanted to find out what the next thing in ESO is going to be. But there was some pretty good stuff that this, that wasn't a part of this direct. Um, we got quite a bit of news on Redfall, um, Minecraft Legends, and, um, a, you know, more, <laughs> God, even when they were talking about Forza, people were like, ESO Forza, ESO Racer, like, oh my God, I, again, it, the, the whole, like, this wasn't exclusively an ESO Direct, there was other stuff involved, but they also had a surprise release in uh, Hi-Fi Rush. And I will be talking about that when I get to my gameplay. Um, yeah, that was kind of shadow released. And it was... Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be talking about that once I get to my gameplay. 
but um, yeah, the again the quote unquote main event of this direct was the announcement of the new chapter for ESO. So this chapter is called Necrom, and it takes us to back to Morrowind, but it's the specifically the Telvanni Peninsula in Morrowind. So um, for those of you who don't know, the Telvanni is one of the great houses of the Dunmer. So this is taking us to that coast of the mainland of Morrowind. And with this uh, release of this new chapter, we're also getting a new class, the Arcanist class. So, um, yeah, I've got a couple of articles in the show notes that delves into the Arcanist class. And also, um, the big bad for this chapter is Hermaeus Mora. So, if you remember, I did an episode on Hermaeus Mora with Lotus of Doom. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, a <laughs> big fan of Hermaeus Mora. And up until now, yeah, Hermaeus Mora has been in the game. But he hasn't really been a featured um, Daedric Prince. There's quite a few other Daedric Princes that have gotten more, um, a little bit more love. Um, Hermaeus Moro is just in this random side quest in Craglorn up until now. So, yeah, uh, we're going to be dealing with Hermaeus Moro and his uh, Plane of Oblivion Apocrypha um, quite a bit in this chapter. And, um, yeah, uh, that was one thing that was really cool that was in... um, Skyrim with the Dragonborn DLC. We got to explore uh, Apocrypha quite a bit in that DLC. That was pretty awesome. And I'm looking forward to doing that again in ESO. So definitely looking forward to this. This comes out in June. So yeah, until then, um, I, th- I want to say there's the first part of the, like the, the Dungeon DLC is going to be releasing in March. Uh let me let me double check that real quick. So, yep, the first part of this is called Scribes of Fate. It is a DLC. Um, yeah, it's a dungeon delving DLC. The fir- it comes out on March 13th for PC and Mac, and March 28th for consoles. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, now, if you're interested we they are doing a uh, an ESO plus uh, free trial I think it's only gone on for a couple more days um, as of right now but uh, yeah uh, definitely jump on that if you're even if just you're just wanting the uh, crafting bag so yeah that has been um, it's been cool. I am definitely uh, looking forward to all that. Like I said, um, I do have a couple of articles that dealt that get into the um, info for the zones and the Arcanist um, class. 
There is going to be a pre-purchase. Uh, you can actually get it right now. And if you pre-purchase the Necrom chapter, you get a Sadrith Mora formal attire costume, a, an apocryphal bookworm pet, an unfeathered crate, a uh, crown crate, a Telvon, three Telvani Peninsula treasure maps, and two experience scrolls. And there also is another edition where you, the deluxe edition, you get the Hermitage uh, Servitor mount, the Cypher Eye Pocket Watcher pet, the Dark Lady Headrest Memento, Knowledge Eater Armor outfit, the Leaning, Sitting, and Standing Scholar emotes. Um, so some pretty cool stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, if if you like, go ahead and, and jump on that now. Um, I myself will probably have to wait a little bit, unfortunately, but I'm definitely going to be. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I have really enjoyed High Isle and the Firestorm uh, DLC. I've played a little bit of it, but um, yeah, I've kind of, like I said in the last episode, I've kind of been taking a little bit of a break uh, with ESO. I've been playing a little bit now that the uh, ESO Plus subscription is uh, having a free trial. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I've been um, on a bit of a break. I have, like I said, I played a little bit. I jumped into it uh, the last couple of days and have been running around uh, doing the Firestorm DLC, or Firesong. I keep saying Firestorm. Firesong. Um, but, yeah, I, I checked out Hi-Fi Rush recently. And I gotta say, I am really enjoying that game um for for those of you who haven't checked it out yet it's free on game pass and it's um it's a rhythm game it's a it, it's kind of like you turn cyberpunk into a uh, rhythm game so it's about this kid his name's Chai, and it's it's spelled like the drink, like the tea drink, Chai. Um, he wants to, his dream is to be a rock star, so he goes to this factory to. Um, <laughs> he he wants his arm it like changed out to. Um, basically to help him become a better musician so he brings his he has a freaking ipad he brings his ipad with him to listen to music while he's waiting in line however through um a, a glitch in the system like his ipod gets uh put into his chest and it kind of becomes his heart uh, he does get his arm exchanged for a robotic arm, but because of the iPod, everything around him is now, um, it, it's in tune with his iPod heart. So, um, you basically have to, um, you, you attack on the beat and you can do more damage. So that is how you, um, how the, the rhythm part comes into it. it, it it's kind of like uh, 
Cadence of Hyrule or Crypt of the Necrodancer or where you attack on the beat and you do more damage. So I uh, beat the first boss and it, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this game. Um, the, the problem is, is it's not native to the Xbox One consoles. So I have to play it uh, through the cloud service. And uh, that has caused, I've noticed uh, some stuttering with the frame rate, uh, the FPS. So, or not FPS, uh, the f- frame, yeah, frames per second. It is FPS. I was, whenever I hear FPS, I'm thinking first person shooter. Um, but yeah, FPS, frames per second. So that, I've noticed a, a stuttering with that a little bit, which kind of affects the whole rhythm uh, part of the game. <laughs> But it, it hasn't affected it to the point where I can't get it done. Get, um, so, yeah, I've uh, definitely been enjoying that. And it's so... I gotta quit looking at comments on social media. Because um, <laughs> uh, Bethesda posted about this on Twitter and Instagram. And I was, I was looking at Instagram. And people were like... Okay, why are you working on shit like this and not um, ESO six or not ESO? Tez uh, like Elder Scrolls six or Fallout five. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but this wasn't done by Bethesda. This was done by Tango. Bethesda is just the publisher. Uh, the developer is Tango. Like I mentioned, they're the ones who worked on Ghostwire Tokyo, and. Um, yeah, uh, I want to say they're also the ones who did Evil Within. So they're under the Bethesda umbrella, but they're not Bethesda. Um, so yeah, again, the entitlement. Um, I really need, like I said, I really need to quit looking at comments on uh, things like this. I did see some comments where people said they were really enjoying. It. But just because publish or developers under the Bethesda umbrella work on things does not mean that it's going to affect Elder Scrolls 6 or Fallout 5. Um, if anything, Starfield has been the one that's uh, been the one that's uh, putting a, a like a, 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 a clogging the line. Like if I guess if you want to make a plumbing. Uh, reference or if I want to make a plumbing reference um yeah Bethesda said they're not working on Elder Scrolls 6 or Fallout 5 until Starfield's done so like it's not coming out until after Starfield's out um speaking of Starfield that um yeah they they did say they weren't going to reveal anything with that um it's going to get its own direct so we're not really going to get any more news on Starfield until that comes out. They didn't tell us when uh, that direct's going to happen. But, um, yeah, that that's uh, really the news. Like the, the biggest news was the direct. So, like I said, if you're looking for more information on the Telvanni Peninsula and Apocrypha Zones... And the Arcanist class, uh, definitely check out the links in the show notes. 
um, yeah, I am really looking forward to Necrom. So, anyway, that is it for the news and what I've been... I mean, I guess I can... I, I did... Uh, yeah, that, that's really all I've been playing, aside from Fallout. I've uh, had a lot of... I haven't played a ton, um, other than what I mentioned in the episode of Nintendo that just came out, because uh, I've been busy with school, so yeah, I've been putting a lot of time into school. So anyway, uh, let's get into today's topic today, and that is the... today's topic today, that was a little redundant. Uh, let's get into today's topic, and that is the Mages Guild. guys let's talk about the mages guild so it's also called the guild of mages of course and it's a professional organization that was once located throughout tamriel that was dedicated to the study and application of magica and alchemy so the mages guild was led by an archmage um, and it was guided by the council of mages and it was made up of six archmagisters one of them being the archmage and it was yeah like i said it was located throughout tamriel you could find guild halls all over the place and yeah pretty much any major city in tamriel and each of which is led by a guild magister, which could also be known as a hall magister. And below him were the master of Incubala, which is also called the high incubalist, or incunabalist, sorry. Um, that's an interesting word. I don't know if I've ever seen that word before. And then there's also the master of arms and the master of the incunabula that I mean, that's gonna take some practice to get used to saying that um the master of the incunabula had a council of two the master of academia and the master of skyr the master of arms also had a council the master of initiates the and the palnat Tennis. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with these words today. I apologize. Each uh, in the guild also had a charter from the emperor that specified that the guild must provide magic services to the public. Anyone could purchase potions, alchemical ingredients, magical items, and a selection of standard spells from the guild. That's where I got a lot of my spells, um, was buying them from the different guild halls. Uh, especially in Oblivion, but uh, training and good services were cheaper for members. So if you did become a member of the guild, they give you a little bit of a, a guild discount. The guild stewards were sometimes able to provide members with work, which we saw quite a bit of in the games. Um, furthermore, exclusive services such as spell making and chanting were deemed uh, anything that was deemed potentially dangerous to the public at large were only made available to higher ranked guild members stood in good standing so there's also rules about fraternization and lewd advances i would certainly hope so so 
I don't know, I always kind of thought that the Mage's Guild was always around, but apparently it didn't get founded until Second Era 230 by Vanis Galarian, who we actually meet in ESO. So uh, this was a way of centralizing magic and thus moving away from the many separate groups like the Sigic Order, which uh, Galarian actually was a member of. He, he talks about that in ESO. So, its uh, policy of isolationism led to mistrust and its religion, which uh, was best described as ancestral worship, was an increasingly unfashionable philosophy by the Second Era. So, with the formation of the Mages Guild, Galarian spread knowledge of the magical arts and you know to the layman, selling magical items, potions, and scrolls to the general populace. And as such, magic was no longer restricted to the aristocracy or the intelligentsia. Galarian named the office of the High Guildmaster Archmage in memory of Shalador. And this is the first recorded, you know, you know, Shalador was the first recorded mage to claim the title. You actually get to uh, chat with Shalador quite a bit in ESO, even though he's dead by then, but you do get to interact with them oddly enough but uh, the idea of mages, sorcerers and associated mystics pooling their resources for the purpose of research and public charity was a revolutionary concept in the early second era Glarian sought to prove that the benefit of spellcasters working in close proximity um, is better than you know not um it's better than the alternative like i know by the time of the fourth era um that's kind of frowned upon like that many mages in close proximity but by the second era they're trying to prove that it is a good thing overall um and not for a mighty you know and this isn't for a mighty ritual but for steady experimentation and a sense of camaraderie um it's kind of like the whole iron sharpens iron uh, concept like you learn more by working and bouncing ideas off of other people rather than just going solo so so um i guess galarian received the animosity of everybody operating out of the first hold galarian was brought before his former mentor icasis i think that's a hell on i right yeah um so you know he, he you know this person was the king of the first hold uh so yeah you, you kind of deal with uh like i said you deal with him quite a bit in the eso uh you know there, there's a whole mage's guild quest line in eso and you're dealing with uh Vanis Galarian and Shalador, um, not to mention Sheogorath, but you're also dealing with the Sigic Order in ESO, like they're kind of the focal point of the Somerset Isle uh, chapter, the DLC. It's now considered a DLC, it used to be a chapter at one point. And um, you kind of, yeah, that's like, I know you deal with the Sigic Order in Skyrim, but you actually get to visit Arteum in ESO. And I'll, I could probably do 
a whole episode on the on uh, the Sigic Order. In fact, I probably will. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna do an episode on the Sigic Order. So, um, so yeah, it kind of talks here about. Um, what happened right after the guild was established. So there was a question of security that had to be addressed. Initially hiring guards, Galarian realized what the Tamriel nobility had known for centuries, that money alone did not buy loyalty. So to end this, he formed the knightly Order of the Lamp. So they acted as protectors of the Mage's Guild, and it was formed just a year after the Mage Guild was formed, and acted as hired guards, uh, kind of. Uh, but, but yeah, the hired guards, uh, they realized that standard guards were not enough to protect the guild. So there's uh, one of the members uh, is named Palantinus, and he, command, he was commanded directly by the Archmagister. And they were given appropriate rights to certain uh, services of the Mage's Guild. So, um, you know, let, let's uh, keep it moving here. So, the, uh, the Mage's Guild grew across Somerset Isle and gradually set foot on mainland Tamriel. Yeah, I should mention that the Mage's Guild was formed in the Somerset Isles. Unfortunately, once they hit mainland Tamriel, there were quite a few rulers that outlawed the guild from their lands, but their descendants soon realized the benefits of allowing the guild to reign in the territory. The Mage's Guild had grown to be a powerful force within Tamriel, a dangerous foe if somewhat disinterested ally. But uh, the, main, the Mage's Guild strove to maintain its neutrality in political conflicts, but in rare occasions, the uh, their participation in such events was pretty much inevitable. So eventually, the Mages Guild established their headquarters within the Arcane University in the Imperial City, which you get to see quite a bit in uh, Oblivion. You <laughs> visit there quite a bit, and we'll, we'll talk about it more once we get to the events of Oblivion. So there was a strict hierarchy that was uh, maintained, but um, yeah, there, <laughs> not everybody agreed with the Archmage, which again, we'll see here pretty soon. So the, there's again, there was a charter that was signed to establish its headquarters in the uh, Arcane University. And this further defined its rules and abilities. Um, the Arcane University would eventually become the foremost magical research center in Tamriel. Um, if originally, it was the Crystal Tower in Somerset Isle, but there was a soul burst that happened in Second Era 578, where the Mages Guild briefly had its charter revoked, and this was replaced by the Fellowship of Anchorites. In Second Era 582, the exiled Mages Guild reestablished its central headquarters on the Isle of Ivea. Um, yeah, that that's part of the whole uh, Mages Guild storyline. 
you're uh, dealing with Sheograth, and eventually you do get Ivea. Ivea was actually established by Shalador, um, which is one of the reasons why you are dealing with Shalador. There's kind of a, a rivalry going on between Shalador and Sh- uh, Sheograth. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, as much as I loved the Mage's Guild storyline in ESO, going around and picking, like going and gathering all those lore books was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, to I, I mentioned this before, but to rank up in, say, the uh, Fighter's Guild, you just go around killing um, creatures that are undead or daedra things like that and the mages guild which I, I guess this makes sense because the mages guild is all about knowledge but you're collecting lore books and if you don't notice one just sitting there on a crate or something like that you're gonna miss it um so you're gonna miss those experience points so it it would make more sense to use spells but then again, spells are part of standard combat in ESO, so I guess maybe that doesn't make sense. But still, going around and collecting all those war books was kind of a pain in the ass. So, um, yeah, let's continue on here. In uh, the same year, Second Era 582, the Mage Guild played a critical part in uh, Malak Ball's attempt, uh, attempted invasion of Tamriel. They uh, really helped stop that, the plane meld. So after a conference between the opposing leaders of the Alliance War, it was decided the small force of mages and fighters guild members would venture into Cold Harbor to defeat the Daedric plot. So yeah, they, they do uh, play a big part in the main story there toward the end. So after, um, yeah, su- uh, after they were successful and saved Tamriel from uh, destruction, the guild would eventually reoccupy the Arcane University within the Imperial City. So I guess they moved away from the Imperial City during the events of ESO. Sometime later, Vanis Galarian would confront the Lich Man and Marco. Um, you know, Moag Ball is the quote-unquote main antagonist for the main story of ESO, but Man and Marco is up there. Um, he really like he he tries to usurp Moag Ball as uh, the ultimate antagonist, but Moag Ball just kind of shuts him down at the end. Spoilers for ESO, but um, you wouldn't be listening to the show if you weren't expecting spoilers in some way, shape, or form. But um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Mana Marco apparently used to be friends with Vanis Galarian. And, um, unfortunately, you know, Manamarco is part of the, one of the orchestrators of the plane meld. So, in a mountain pass with the mages, uh, guild fighters and lamp knights, uh, they had a battle, Vanis Galarian and Manamarco, and unfortunately, you know, Manamarco was at one point thought to be defeated in the battle, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Vanis Galarian was killed in this battle. So let's talk about the Third Era. So at least by the late Third Era, the Mages Guild maintained close relations with Imperial Battle Mages who acted as guards for the Arcane University. 
Yeah, that <laughs> that's one thing that's kind of funny is you, you go to the... Anytime you enter the gates of the Arcane University, there's battle mages there. It's like, ah, oh, you must be the guild's newest member. Let this humble battle mage bid you welcome. They say that even after you become the archmage for the uh, mages killed in Oblivion, which it's like, um, motherfucker, don't you know me by now? I'm your boss, in a sense. Anyway, um, so yeah, by and second, or I'm sorry, third era, four thirty one, uh, archmage Traven, Hannibal Traven was elected, well, archmage. And he made numerous policy changes. And one of these was the banning of necromancy. So, yeah, this pissed a lot of people off. Now, necromancy was still technically legal in Tamriel, but the mages, you know, the archmage banned the practice. But yeah, this pissed a lot of people off. And a lot of people ended up leaving the guild um so um there were people that were forced to flee for from um their adherence to the banning of necromancy so they a lot of people did practice necromancy in secret but yeah there were a lot of people who were like okay i'm out of here i'm leaving the mages guild and this is kind of the the story of what's going on with the mages guild in oblivion so you're being sent to investigate a lot of different places and you're finding evidence of people practicing necromancy like you're seeing a lot of zombies you're seeing a lot of skeletons running around and um yeah several like i said several people did leave the guild um you know there were people that were loyal to Hannibal Traven but um yeah in the in, in the end of the Mage's Guild storyline you have to kill Manny Marco um once again I guess because he had turned himself into a lich and Traven does help you at the end, but he ultimately sacrifices himself. And again, as I mentioned earlier, you probably picked up on this, you become Archmage. So I don't really see a lot here in this article about what's going on during the events of Marwyn. Um, I mean, there, let me, let me uh, yeah, I'm getting this from the UESP um, wiki. But yeah, there, there were a lot of people who openly opposed um, the banning of necromancy. Their guild hall in Bruma gets burned to the ground, which really sucks. There are quite a few good mages that lost their lives. There are some not-so-good mages, but you know, most of them were good at their job. So I'm now looking at the fandom wiki page and it doesn't look like they're like I do remember playing the Mages Guild quest in Marwyn, but there aren't really a lot of there's not a whole lot of story there. There's some conflicts um, that go on between members. You gotta go shake some people down for guild dues. Um 
you gotta go do some fetch quests for some people. But, um, I guess the biggest thing that the Mage's Guild in Morrowind is known for is the discovery of the reason for the Dwemer disappearance. Um, I don't think you, they ever reveal that to you. But, yeah, um, in Oblivion, not Oblivion, in Daggerfall and Arena, the Mage's Guild is just a place to buy spells, essentially. Um, there's really not a whole lot there. And I do remember in Morrowind, you can, like, you, you go through the story, you, like, you, you rise in the ranks in the Mage's Guild in Morrowind. And once you get to the end of it, you basically present the Archmage with some papers that asks him to resign uh, because you become Archmage. And he's like, no, I'm not stepping down. So you kind of become co-Archmage with him. Not really understand how that's possible. There should really be only one Archmage, but... Um, yeah, that that's really about it as far as the uh, Mage's Guild in Morrowind is. So, yeah, um, let's get back to Oblivion. So, with the um, Mage's Guild, in, in a sense, the like I said, the, the Mage's Guild is a technically a branch of the empire so with the empire in ruins at the end of oblivion so's the mages guild so it, it kind of collapsed in on itself with the banning of necromancy now do i think that necromancy has its uses yeah to an extent but in a lot of sense it's it's really dangerous um you have to really know what you're doing to um to really be able to control it well because there are so many damn things that could go wrong with necromancy and you see that in a lot of the games especially in oblivion so, yeah, in, in the Fourth Era, the Mages Guild had been dissolved due to the strong anti-magic sentiment um, that happened around the, the Oblivion Crisis. So you see this with the College of Winterhold. Most people were opposed to the Mages because they thought that it was what caused the collapse of Winterhold. Uh, also, with the Oblivion Crisis, a lot of people blamed the opening of the portals to Oblivion on the mages. Because um, without the you know Mythic Dawn, with the, the mages in the Mythic Dawn opening these portals, we wouldn't have gotten an, an invasion of Daedra. So... Yeah, there's just, by the time of the fourth era, there's just a very negative outlook with mages. 
So, yeah, um, that, that also is one of the reasons why the Mages Guild was dissolved. But I think also with it, with the Mages Guild itself being a branch of the Empire, and, you know, that, I mean, yeah, there's an Empire in the Fourth Era, but I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think that they thought that having a, they they probably just had an, a feeling of danger with there being a large group of mages gathered together. Too many things could go wrong, which is a shame because yeah, I, I mean magic really is a tool just like any other. It's all in how you use it and. There is a branch of magic called restoration. So, yeah, magic can be used for nefarious means, but magic can also be used to do a lot of great things. So, I I think that that's a very narrow view, narrow outlook with uh, how they view the mages in the fourth era. Anyway, that's that's my opinion. Um, do I think that necromancy probably should have been banned? Uh, I can see it. Um, necromancy, like necromancy, is a very dangerous. Um, like I said, it, it you have to really know what you're doing to know how to utilize necromancy in a good way i I don't know there's just i think there the uh, risk outweighs the reward with necromancy so yeah I'd, i'd probably say yeah so i don't know um regardless that was part of what led the uh mages guild to collapse in on itself and it didn't help that the general public didn't care for the Mage Guild either. Anyway, that really is it as far as the Mage Guild. Um, didn't really last as long as I thought it did, to be honest. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Like I said, the, the College of Winterhold is kind of a spiritual successor to the mages guild so next up uh we will talk about the fighters guild so anyway i'm gonna get out of here i'd like to thank a hive as always for sponsoring today's podcast if you'd like to get a hold of me you can find me personally at ian gold 8 and you can find the show at tamriel p so yeah also check out my other shows got the super nintendo just did an episode on the power glove and tapes from the waste so which is all about fallout lore if you'd like what you're hearing please leave a rating and review on spotify as well as apple podcasts and just tell a friend and uh, yeah so anyway as always stay safe adventurers